you've taken your seat, you can go ahead and grab your Bible and open up to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 6, as we continue our summer series uh, called Wisdom Required. We are looking at applying God's truth to everyday life, and uh, this morning I I just want to begin by asking you a question. Here it is, Um, are you lazy? And before you answer that or look at your spouse or your kids, just think for a moment and think carefully about your life. You see, we often wrongly think about laziness. We love to compare and contrast ourselves with people we think are lazy or know are lazy. Maybe you have in your mind, when you think of laziness, the image of a 35-year-old who still lives in his parents' basement and sits on the couch eating potato chips all day and playing video games all night. And if that is you or sounds remotely like you, you are lazy. But laziness has a very subtle nature to it as well can be overtly obvious, that's for sure, but sometimes its subtleties can be missed. We can miss evaluating them and identifying them in our own lives. Laziness is often seen, for example, in wanting to have your needs met without working for them. It can be seen in not wanting to spend wisely, just wanting to spend. It can be seen in depending on handouts or bailouts. Sometimes it's seen in constantly choosing what we want to do instead of doing what we need to do. Maybe it's seen in a life that is is messy and chaotic, cluttered. Maybe you sleep too much, maybe you eat too much, maybe you watch too much, maybe you play too much, or maybe even you work too much. You say, wait a second, work too much? How is that evidence of of laziness in our lives? Well, listen, diligence in one area of our lives can often mean laziness in other areas of our lives. It's possible to be overly diligent in certain areas of your life, like work, and actually be lazy in some of the other responsibilities of your life, like family, or church, or just your walk with God. The truth is, we are all prone to laziness, and we all struggle with diligence. It ebbs and flows and can fluctuate in our lives, But it's absolutely true. And once again, the book of Proverbs gets into the nitty-gritty of our lives and is looking to provide us wisdom, help in living life in God's world with skill and expertise, of rightly applying knowledge to every area of our lives. And this morning, we're going to look at these kind of competing uh, virtues and vices, diligence on one hand and laziness on the other. And the first thing I want to do is read from Proverbs chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 6 through 11 primarily this morning. Listen to what it says. It says this, Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. You can see here that Solomon makes it clear that 
laziness is incredibly problematic and has really real-life consequences. And so we need to first look at this side of the equation. We need to flee the flaws of the lazy. I want to start at the second half of this section, particularly verses 9 through 11. And notice how it describes this individual. First of all, it describes them with this term, a term that's found only in the book of Proverbs, the term sluggard. See, what exactly is a sluggard? I want to put an image into your mind. I want you to think of the way that syrup slowly oozes out of a bottle when it's cold. That's the sluggard, sluggish and slow and hesitant when he should be decisive and active and forthright. And the sluggard here in these few verses is characterized by a few different things. The first one we see is this, they're characterized, characterized by procrastination. This probably isn't a surprise to any of you, but you see it very clearly. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When are you going to arise from your sleep? This picture of the person who's constantly folding their hands, their hands are not busy doing what they ought to be doing. The the procrastination in the, the lazy produces this kind of a life's motto, don't rush me, I'll do things when I'm good and ready. I'm referring a lot, kind of pivoting between Proverbs 6 here and Proverbs 26, so if you want to look at that for a moment, consider what Proverbs 26 says. Specifically, verse 14. It says this, that as a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. You can keep your finger there. We're going to be moving back and forth, but I just want to point this out to you. This picture of the sluggard is the person who just loves to lie in their bed. They're like the the person with the door hinges that just go back and forth doing the thing they ought not to do. They ought to rise and get out of bed. There are some people who are just characterized by procrastination. And some people actually seem to think this is some kind of a virtue, that they're able to start things late and still kind of accomplish what they're aiming to accomplish, even if it is sloppy and haphazard. There are people who constantly procrastinate in school, waiting to the last moment to do their assignment. They procrastinate with work, and they procrastinate in life. They repeatedly put things off for another day. And procrastination here is described as sloth. This is what the sluggard does. There are some people who are all talk and very little action. It's like the husband who constantly says to his wife, yeah, yeah, I'll fix that, I'll, get, I'll, I'll do that later, and never does it. Proverbs 14.23 says of this kind of laziness that there is profit in all hard work, but endless talk leads only to poverty. The point here is to not say you're going to do something unless you're actually going to do it. Less talk, more action. Talk only leads to poverty, but it is hard work that brings prosperity in life. The call here is to avoid this flaw, to get up, to get going, to stop talking about doing the things you say you're going to do, and to start actually doing them. But there's a second thing that here characterizes the lazy that I want you to notice, and that's this, passivity. It's not just that they procrastinate, that they're slow to start. There's more to it than that. 
constantly sitting on their hands. In other words, they show no initiative. There's no greater determination that characterizes their life. There's no urge to do anything or be anything. There's no sense of purpose or direction. That the passive person on rare occasions when he finds the motivation to get going actually finds out that it's too much for him and the impulse dies. My youngest son will often look at us when we ask him to do something and he says to us, my brain tells me that's too hard for me to do. Proverbs, again, 26, verse 15. Listen to what it says. It says, The sluggard buries his hand in the dish, and it wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. This, you just, can you just picture that for a moment? This is the person who's like, man, I'm so hungry, dives deep into the dish of food, and then gets there and is like, nah, it's too much work to get the food into my mouth. Even when they start something, they're characterized by not finishing. They're slow to start and they're quick to quit. This is what it means to be passive and lazy. Proverbs 12, verse 27, talks about the lazy man who doesn't roast his game. And again, the the picture is actually incredible. What an awesome insight. This person is the one who's worked hard to get the meal, they did the hunt. But now, with the meat right before their eyes, they refuse to do the work to finish it by cooking it and preserving what they killed. It's like going to Costco because you're starving hungry, buying your groceries, and leaving them in the back of your car. And I don't mean by accident. You know, for most people, their laziness is actually not a lack of activity. I think sometimes we think the lazy person just does nothing, but counter to that, listen, it's simply the focus on the wrong kind of activity. They do what they want, this is more often the case, they do what they want instead of doing what they need. And there are many people who struggle with laziness by being sidetracked by all kinds of diversions. It's like the guy, if you've ever seen the movie Office Space, which I am not advocating you watch, but when asked about work, said that he honestly probably works only about 20 minutes a week. The reality is, for many of us, our lives are filled with diversions that keep us from doing the things that we ought to do. You don't work as much as you could because you're busy checking Facebook all day, or you're passing around YouTube clips, or you're calling in sick because you stayed up all night binge-watching Netflix or playing Fortnite. A few years back, there was an article that came out when the game uh, Angry Birds had come out on, and everybody had it on their phones. You remember that? Some of you were, were deeply addicted, I know. But an article came out that it was assessing the damage that this had done, and this is what the, the author of this article said, that based on studies that they had conducted, Angry Birds was costing businesses $1.5 billion in lost wages. It's simply an illustration of how quickly we can be diverted in our focus and attention. And we naturally, listen, gravitate towards comfort and ease and passivity. It's kind of built into our sinful nature. We'd rather be entertained than expend energy. And here, in Proverbs 6, we're reminded that this is actually dangerous. It costs others, yes, but it costs us as well. Poverty, it says, will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. It will be vicious, it will be quick, and it will take you down. 
There's one more thing that characterizes the lazy, and that is this, a pretense. That's a word we don't use very often anymore, and you can simply just substitute in the word excuse-making. A person who's good at, at coming up with reasons, justifications that are false, but sometimes become the very thing they believe themselves. And we were already there in Proverbs 26, but Proverbs 26 verse 13 actually mocks this kind of excuse-making, this kind of pretense. Here's what it says. It says, the sluggard, sorry, let me find the actual verse there. Verse 13, the sluggard says, there is a lion in the road. There's a lion in the streets. You can hear the sarcasm of the scriptures there, can't you? The person who just who comes up with the most audacious excuses and reasons not to do something meaningful. There's a lion in the street, really? Really? That's the ancient version of the dog ate my homework. Or calling into work sick when you feel fine. It's amazing how we can convince ourselves that something is true, especially when it's not. Even when we, don't want to, when we don't want to do something hard or uncomfortable, we have this kind of allergic reaction to hard work, many of us, or personal responsibility. But what's really staggering is how totally oblivious or unaware we can actually be to our own laziness. And this is the thing I really want to challenge you on this morning as you're thinking about your own life. One author said it like this, the best scenario in our own minds is to be able to convince ourselves that we are hard workers without having actually to expend the energy to be a hard worker. That's why Proverbs 26, 16 says this, that in his own eyes, a slacker is wiser than seven who can answer sensibly. That's one of the keys about being lazy. You often do not know or think that you are. You think and believe that you're a harder worker than you actually are. And laziness, again, leads us to poverty. There are significant consequences. You just think about that in your own life. Many of us, if you live long enough, you've experienced that. Laziness, procrastination, passivity, making excuses that's led us down some very bad path. It's had very uh, difficult challenges it presents to us. Think about that in education. All of you kids in here, your parents telling you all the time to work hard. That's a good thing. It's good to learn this lesson while you're young. The consequences of not working hard or being diligent are manifold. You could fail a class. You could fail a test. You could miss out on career opportunities because you didn't get work hard enough to get into the right tracks. Think about this in terms of your vocation, whether that's whether in the workplace or whether your role or calling, whatever you do in life. Your laziness could mean you are passed up for the promotion. It could mean that you do not get the financial compensation that you need. It can mean that you get fired. Think about this in your family life, in your role as a husband, a father, a wife, and a mother. Laziness there has incredibly big consequences and ramifications. Not discipling your children faithfully, not being diligent to discipline your kids in the manner of the Lord, not being faithful to love your spouse as Christ loved the church, to honor and to serve one another can mean the breakdown of relationships, can mean the breakdown of the family unit. Think about this in your spiritual life. Being lazy when it comes to pursuing the Lord 
It has devastating effects. It keeps us in a place of spiritual immaturity. It leaves us undisciplined in areas that we must grow, and that limits our usefulness in the Lord's hands. It decreases our joy that we are intended to experience and find in the Lord, and it damages our witness to the watching world. Laziness, let me boil it down to this, laziness is a spiritual issue. It's a mark of the sinful flesh, not of the the Spirit of God that dwells within followers of Jesus Christ. And again, the consequences are, are so much bigger than we often realize. Listen to Proverbs 21, verse 25. It says this, The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. Proverbs 15, 19 says this, The way of a sluggard is like a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a level highway. Two paths leading to two completely different destinations. Just notice this. Listen, one of them leads to life. The other one leads to death. And so the Bible calls us to flee the flaws of the lazy and instead do this. Fight for the focus of the diligent. Press into discipline, self-control. Be diligent in every area of your life. Say, what should the the slugger do? Well, wisdom says in Proverbs right here, go to the ant. Don't you love that? Verse 6, go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Now, there's some irony here and even some divine humor inserted here. You see, humanity was created to work. This is going to come as a surprise and disappointment to some of you. Work is actually good in God's economy. Work was created good before the fall. The fall has made it difficult and challenging and painful. But humanity, at the very beginning of Scripture, was created to work and keep the garden, to take dominion over the earth. We were called in the beginning to have dominion even over the creeping things of the earth, insects and animals alike. But now in our fallen, sinful condition, in our lack of dominion over our own lives, God calls us to look to the smallest of the creeping things to learn from it. In other words, God's saying, go to the ant, you slacker. And it's supposed to be this humbling position that we find ourselves in. And by the way, that is so much of the key to growing in wisdom in any area of your life. It requires such great humility to recognize where you're wrong, where you're sinful, where you struggle. And so we look here to the ant, and we see a picture of the diligent. And I just want to look at three contrasting principles here. The the diligent are characterized first in this, that they are principled. They're principled. In other words, they have a deep inner motivation. Look at verse 7. Without having any chief officer or ruler. You see, if you ever watch ants, what you'll notice is this, that there is no boss ant standing over the other ants telling them what to do. Ants do not report to anybody. No one has ever seen an ant dragging their feet and being yelled at by another ant. But an ant has within herself all the motivation she needs to make something of her life, and she never lets up. Ants are fascinating creatures. 
And again, let me just say it like this. They're principled in that they're presenting to us this idea of this inner motivation that is to drive us if we are to be diligent. You see, the diligent are ruled by inner character and conviction, not external coercion and compulsion. You say, well, what is it that provides this kind of character and conviction? Well, for the Christian, it's one thing. It is a deep desire to honor our God and our King. It is the simple recognition that we are not our own. We have been bought with a price. Therefore, we are going to glorify God in our body. In everything we do, we know this, that while we may not have human masters constantly over us, making sure we're doing the right things the right way, with the right motivation, we understand that we have a God who searches the hearts of all men, a God who knows all things, And we know that one day we will stand before him and give an account for all of our lives. Every part of our life we will give an account for. This is why Jesus in the New Testament tells parables of the talents. And he gives the the illustration of of everybody giving the same talent at the beginning. And the king leaves and goes to a faraway place. But he's coming back for his kingdom. And in the story of the the talents, the parable of the talents, each man is responsible in the story to go and make something of the talent, to invest it wisely, to reap a return. And the talent in many ways symbolizes your life, especially if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. It symbolizes this. It symbolizes the life, the new life that God has given you in the gospel of Jesus Christ. One day God is going to return and he's going to look at you and he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? I gave you new life. I gave you forgiveness and I gave you freedom from your sins. I released you from the power and the penalty of sin and death. What did you do with what I gave you? And you see, that that is what is supposed to grip our hearts more than any person, more than anything. We know that one day we will give an account to God. I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 9. He says, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. The diligent are principled. They're people of character and conviction forged by the the inner working of the Spirit of God, honed by the constant presence of the Word of God, and driven by a constant desire to please God. Secondly, the diligent are persistent. Look at verse 8. She prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in winter. You just, just pick up on those words, in the summer. Parts of this summer have been incredibly hot, and if you work outside, you know how difficult it is to work under the hot sun, and yet what we have here is the picture of an ant who under that hot sun is scurrying about and getting the job done. Simply put, the diligent get after things. They're not afraid to roll up their sleeves and get their hands dirty. They're hardworking, and I don't know if ants sweat, but if they do, they don't care. They don't complain. They don't make excuses. They're not worried about fake lions being outside their door. They don't even wait. Not only are they not above hard work, they actually seem to enjoy it. And you see, persistence like this is about commitment and consistency. 
Let me say that again. Persistence is really, in many ways, about commitment and consistency. It is about commitment to a task and the consistency at performing it. And in the Christian life, persistence involves patterns of behavior that are etched into your life by repeated ongoing practice. Those who are persistent care more about training than they do talent. Let me unpack that for you for a minute. You can get by on talent and abilities and skills only for a time. But in all areas of life, what you see is that those who succeed are typically not the ones with the most talent, but the ones who are willing to train harder, disciplining themselves, training themselves, as Paul says in 1 Timothy 4, 7, for godliness especially. And make no mistake about it, this kind of persistence is a fight. It is a a battle. And by the way, I mentioned this right out the gates, but we can be overly diligent in certain areas of our life, particularly work. There are some of us in here who who take this idea of diligence too far, and we focus so much on one area of our life at the expense of things that are equally, if not more, as important. There are people who focus on their jobs more than they focus on their families. There are people who focus on their careers more than they focus on the church. There are people who focus more on themselves than they do on anyone else. And this is counter to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sacrifices are needed. We need to learn to balance our lives, to establish healthy rhythms. God worked and God rested. We need to learn how to be persistent in the right things and to do it the right way. Let me give you a few thoughts on this. One of the things that um, I've learned in my life is to do what I need to do first, not what I want to do first. Learn to prioritize your life. Figure out what those things are that must be done and do those things first. It's always a great principle to do the hardest thing first in your life, to get up, and the first thing you do is not something simple and easy, but do something hard. For some of us, that's simply getting out of bed when the alarm goes off. We must be persistent. We must be principled. And lastly, we must be prepared. Verse 8, not only is the ant working hard in the summer, there's a reason. They gather their food in the harvest or the winter time. The ant works today for tomorrow. She's not simply sitting there hoping life will go her way. She gets out ahead of the next season of life. And wise people do this very thing in a variety of ways in their life, that they love goals and strategies to leverage their present into a better future. And here's why this matters for you, because winter is coming, literally, but metaphorically, I don't know when, I don't know how, and you certainly don't need to go looking for it. It's going to come and it's going to find you. And if you're lazy, you're in big trouble. If you haven't prepared for it, you will be consumed by it. But if you are diligent, you'll be ready. 
You see, this is a call to not just live for the moment, but look to the future. And this means that you have to be a person who, who plans, at least to some degree. You need to think about where you want to be in life. Think about where you want to be in your career. Think about where you want to be financially. Think about where you want to be with your family, spiritually, in your own life. Who do you want to be in the Lord? What's God calling you to be? And then you need to fashion a plan to make sure you're moving in that direction and you're becoming what God is calling you to be. In Canada here, we look at summers as a time to relax. And we need rest. There's no doubt about that. But if we take the principle here, we need to understand that when we, when we are in a summer season of life, we need to learn how to maximize those seasons so that we are prepared for the winters that will inevitably come our way. We need to look to the ant. But let me say this. Before we go to the ant, we need to first go to Jesus. You see, while our work ethic may reveal our spiritual maturity, it's possible that it is also revealing our spiritual condition. And the reality is, is that your work ethic cannot change your spiritual condition. But when we look to the scriptures, we see that there was one who worked on our behalf. Jesus died for the lazy and the rebellious. He died for those who are, yes, lazy in a worldly sense, but also those who are diligent in a worldly sense. And as we look to the Scriptures and as we turn to Jesus, we can understand that He can transform us into those who don't, don't only look like the ant, but actually begin to look like Jesus Himself. You see, it's Jesus who ultimately exemplifies diligence in every way. He was perfectly principled, always seeking to glorify his father, even from a young age when he went missing. His parents asked him where he was, and he looks at them. He says to them almost with shock, didn't you know I would be in my father's house? You know what his heart was? I am young, but I want to please the Lord, my father. He was perfectly persistent. He always obeyed the will of his father, never once turning his back, never once rebelling against God. Even at a young age, the scriptures tell us that he grew in wisdom. And he was persistent, not only in his obedience and righteousness, but through suffering, enduring temptation and scorn, enduring the cross and the grave. And as we look at the scriptures, we see that Jesus was perfectly prepared. Perfectly prepared. Having planned with the Father before the foundation of the earth, before any of us were ever created. He planned to come and rescue all of us from our sins by dying on a cross, receiving the wrath of God in our place. And he did it with a plan in mind, and for the joy set before him, he endured all of this. You know, it takes great humility to look to the ant, but it takes more humility to turn to Jesus. To surrender everything to him and to say, I, I, I am not the person I need to be, and I desperately need you to change me and to save me. And all those who turn through repentance and faith will receive grace and forgiveness 
They will not be put to shame, and they will begin the process of being molded and shaped into a person who is diligent in their pursuit of him, principled, persistent, and prepared, fleeing the laziness, fighting for that diligence. We must be diligent people, imaging our Father and our Savior, and I'm sure the Holy Spirit is nudging you, or maybe your spouse is nudging you right now, to grow in a particular area of laziness. But I just want to close by considering the words of Jesus in John 9, verse 4. Listen to what Jesus said in his earthly ministry. He said this, We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. Like Jesus in his earthly ministry, listen, our time is limited. We have a short window to do our Father's work, church. How many of us see the moment to work for God, but because of laziness, because of procrastination, passivity, or pretense, are letting the opportunity slip through our hands? Don't let this be you. Like Jesus, instead, passionately, enthusiastically, give yourself to the task that lies before you. Give yourself to the calling of God upon your life. Diligently pursue spiritual growth and diligently proclaim the spiritual life that is found only in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are a people who need to get to work and to prioritize the work of the gospel. And may our greatest desire be to see him highly exalted as we diligently strive to live for him in his glory. Amen? Let's pray. God in heaven, we bow before you, grateful for your grace, grateful for your forgiveness, grateful for the power of your spirit that works in us, Lord, not only to save us, but to sanctify us. We pray, God, that you would strip away all areas of laziness, especially in those areas of our lives, Lord, where the most damage can be done. I pray specifically, Lord, that you would strip away laziness when it comes to spiritual things, our pursuit of you, and our calling, Lord, to do the work of the ministry, to proclaim the gospel. And I pray, Father, that you would make us a diligent people who are wholly devoted to you and your glory. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.